This week, we're taking you to Middleburg, a middle-sized town in the middle of the country. Yes, welcome to We're Podding This Together. This is the podcast where we go through all of those Disney Channel original movies that you love or love to hate. I'm Josh. I'm Lori. I'm Sammy. And we are so glad to have you guys here. You know, I hope you're enjoying following along, watching all of these lovely Disney Channel movies. I think it's been pretty crazy, like, how many things I've recalled and how many memories I realized I've had, like, about Disney Channel movies this far. Are you guys, like, remembering a lot from your childhood? Are you remembering some of these movies, like, vaguely? Have you ha- Do you have any realizations from wa- re-watching all these Disney Channel movies? I'm getting real tired of Disney Channel original movies already. Quite honestly, like, watching them every week, I, I do feel like a part of me dying somehow. Oh, no. I'm having fun. Yeah, they're fun <laughs> still. The talking about them every week part is a complete blast, but I found myself enjoying the movies not a ton, so I kind of put off watching them. I didn't really like Smart House, though, and there's a couple exceptions to that that I ended up enjoying actually watching and watch again. I regularly rewatch DCOMs on my own, so uh, my expectations have been met every time. I don't think I haven't like I haven't like built them up in my head or anything. I I know exactly how cheesy they are, so I go in with that sort of. I think it's rough for me because like since I hadn't watched them previous to this little, I guess experiment, so to speak. Um... So when I'm watching them, I'm watching them for the first time through the lens of, like, we're going to have to talk about this for an hour or so. I think the biggest thing with me so far is that watching Disney Channel movies has made me appreciate other movies so much more. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that was a really entertaining movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there were no major plot holes and everyone acted really well. Wow. What movie were we watching this week? Well, Start clapping and start hiding under your covers because this week we're taking a look at Don't Look Under the Bed. According to IMDb, uh, Don't Look Under the Bed, a teen enlists the help of an imaginary friend named Larry Houdini to deal with a prank-playing boogeyman who's framing her for his dastardly deeds. And I think that is a little bit misleading. She doesn't seek him out. It turns out that he's her brother's imaginary friend slash, like, imaginary helper person. And he kind of... Spoilers! Well, like, it says she enlists, though. And that's very... Like, he pesters her for a couple of days until she's like, fine, please help me. Yeah. I don't think it's ever really explained why she can see him all of a sudden, is it? Not really. Did either of you have any imaginary friends? I did not. I was, uh very uh down-to-earth grounded child i don't think i ever actually had imaginary friends i had like made up scenarios but there were no repeat characters (laughs) well i know my my brother had an imaginary friend because in like pop culture he knew that like kids have imaginary friends that's a thing kids do and so he was just desperate to like i guess also be a kid with an imaginary friend yeah, that's what I was going to say. The only times I ever thought I had an imaginary friend were was when it was like shown on a TV show or a movie that a kid had an imaginary friend. Like my brother was very aware that he wasn't actually seeing a friend there. If you stop believing in Santa, 
like you kind of wish you could still go back to where like the magic and stuff was real and i think the wanting of an imaginary friend kind of goes into that same vein kind of like when you play with toys and can have like a vivid imagination about what's going on then you have the toy story 2 moment where you put all of your toys away and you're devastated and then you watch toy story 2 as an adult and then you feel bad for putting all of your toys away but you know that like getting them out won't like bring it back so it's more depressing yeah, and then you and then you sell all of your toys and then you watch toy story 3 and your heart rips <sighs> into a million tiny pieces i still have my buzz and woody Aww. Josh, we don't need to know. I mean, that's a weird thing to bring up right now. Yeah, those names. <laughs> that I actually just realized those are both perfect names for adult toys. <laughs> I think this movie got taken off of the air because it was uh, people were complaining about it being a little too dark and scary for the uh, audience that it was meant to be viewed by they aired it when it when it first aired and i'm sure they aired you know as they do they would show the movie like three times a day every day for like a month but i think once it came to uh syndication they took it out of the rotation they didn't show it not even during halloween because this was a particularly dark movie and i think i read somewhere that it's the only decom that was given a pg rating all the others were g well i think Uh, they have put it back on the air i saw it maybe well i didn't see the whole thing i saw the first part of this movie maybe like two years ago and putting this on the disney channel itself just seems really out of form it's very much it's it's not just kind of creepy it's very like i was a little bit like oh this is really really dark as i was watching Rewatching it now obviously it's not nearly as scary as i remember it being because i'm an adult but when I was a kid, it terrified me. And I actually refused to watch Like I think I watched it the first time that I refused to watch it after that because it downright terrified me. Yeah, I was getting some like 80s vibes from this, like creepy prosthetics and witches. And It reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Well, and kind of like the part where there's a part where like, the boogeyman like froze everybody until the bell rang and like his hand was like creeping around like corners and mirrors and stuff like it reminded me a lot of freddy krueger just kind of like is this a dream is this actually happening is he like he's always watching yeah he had a lot of power in this there's a moment at the very beginning when like a doll like comes to life which was even today that was like whoo heebie-jeebies but it starts out kind of like a normal kind of creepy kids movie i'd say francis is giving us a little uh voiceover recap of her life and apparently she's supposed to be in middle school but she skipped a grade and now she's in high school um and that really weirded me out because i think the actress was 20 and i'm like you were not supposed to be in middle school there's no way it's funny because usually the pro like one of the problems we have is that there's not enough explanation for stuff, and I feel like this movie went the opposite direction, and we're like, why would people think that she would be doing things? Oh, it's because she's not emotionally stable because she's younger than everybody. Okay, well, she gets to school, she figures out that everyone else had problems with their clocks, and this is kind of where we see her weird side where I, she says, like, everything has a reason. I kind of hated how she kept on, like, so Sammy and I went on a ghost tour last week, and I don't believe in ghosts. 
but I didn't make it a thing. And the like host told us at one point there was a guy who was there who just kept on like drilling in to make sure everybody knew that he absolutely, without a doubt, did not believe in ghosts. And like this is what she reminded me of, where she's kind of like the internet atheist who's like, guys, I really want you to know that I really don't believe in this stuff. There has to be a logical like just over and over. Like we get it. It's fine. You're scientific. And I feel like the alarm thing isn't that. Like, I don't think anybody was harping on it. Nobody's like, this is weird. This is supernatural. There's something weird going on. It was just like, oh, huh, my alarm went off early. Oh, well. And she's like, there's got to be a logical explanation. We're like, get over it. I I feel like she was more worried about that than all of the dogs on the roofs of the houses. Yeah, that was weird. And they were all on the roof after she said something. She made a joke about uh, her brother getting a dog in a dorm room. Where are you going to keep it? On the roof? And then all of a sudden, all the dogs are on roof. The car gets egged. There's a convertible that gets egged. And I'm sorry, if I had a convertible, I would never leave the roof down, especially if I were going to be in a teaching at a high school all day. And, like, yeah. I'm assuming it was a teacher's car. So, like, the thought of a teacher being stupid enough to leave his convertible open while he's teaching all day is just silly. That scene was kind of gross. It was so gross. The amount of yolk in those eggs was insane. Um, Ew. It was. It was like yellow splattering. It looked more like orange juice. And it juice. kept going and going and going. There was also, was it at this point or was it a little later, the pool, like somebody put gelatin in the pool. Oh And God. this girl like looks down, sees that the pool is red and dives in. I and then know. like gets like... stuck. Yeah, like surely you notice that's not as like viscous as water. Yes. Like. You don't jump into a pool of jello before realizing that it's jello. And then she gets stuck and nobody's like concerned <laughs> like she can't breathe down there, people. Yeah. Nobody's concerned. That's true. Everybody's just like the one like the teacher's holding out a net, like, grab on, like she's stuck. That's one of those and things. She can't like, breathe. In cartoons and stuff as a kid where it's like the dream is like the pool full of jello. And like saying this, it's just like or I even remember like objectively thinking about it as a kid where like you draw out your, like, dream house, and I put, like, the pool of jello, and then you stop and think about it, and you're like, that would suck. You would get sticky, you can't swim through it, you might suffocate, like, this is, and it would be gross, like, <laughs> it'd probably liquefy, and just, no, no thank you. Yuck. That's just one of the, one of the many things that happens to Francis and to the entire school. This starts kind of a thing where she's getting blamed for everything, which is hilarious, because I get that she's smart, she skipped a grade, but to think that she could actually actually orchestrate maybe breaking into people's houses to change their alarm, to physically go in and physically change each individual alarm clock, and then somehow fill the pool with enough jello unnoticed. For a lot of these, she had an alibi. Yeah. They're like, did you egg his car? She was in the class with that teacher whose car it was. Yeah. So, no, she did not egg the car. And she had no, at least... They never mentioned a history of troublemaking. Like, it's not like, oh, that's Francis up to her antics again. Yeah, like, all the lockers end up getting spray-painted with the letter B for Boogeyman, haha. Except hers, and then she opens it on the inside, and they're like, only you can get inside your locker. Like, is the janitor trying to frame her here? Yeah, why would she do that to her own locker? Yeah. To prove that she did it. It wasn't annoying, which is funny, because, like, it's such a huge thing it just makes it kind of it was pretty funny all the while she's been seeing this random guy kind of following her around i love larry larry's the one who explains that the boogeyman is framing her for all this stuff and she's just like nope that's not possible 
I'm a skeptic. I want everybody to know for sure that I only believe in science, and this is not science. Do you ever hear a little voice inside your head telling you you should do something? Actually, no. Well, I did, and he told me to come to beautiful downtown Middleburg. What you heard was just dissociation between the two sides of your alleged brain. And this conversation mostly takes place in the middle of the lunchroom, where she's like yelling at this invisible guy. It was funny how inconsistent they were to whether or not other people could hear her while she was talking to Larry, because sometimes nobody noticed anything. Like, even if people were trying to ignore it happening, there would still be some notice of it. Yeah, nobody notices until she, like, stands on a table and is like, does anybody know who this guy is? Okay, my favorite part, though, was when um, they're talking about the clocks changing in the office with her. The, like, secretary of the school or whatever, she's like, Oh, no, fall forward, spring back. Um, So the clocks were forward, they were back. I love it, because, like, every every time before the, like, daylight savings time and stuff, I have to, like, double-check and Google a million times to make sure I'm doing it right. So, like, having them still, like, okay, wait, did they go forward, or they, that was a really <laughs> nice touch. I love that. Frances was called to the principal's office after her, like, whole freak out, and that's what puts her in the principal's office, and at one point they, like, kick her out so they can just talk to their her parents on her own so she goes outside to lay down on a bench which i love in movies where like the principal's office always has this really long bench outside of it that that there's always like 12 kids waiting to talk to the principal (laughs) waiting and she lays down and closes her eyes and like this is the room starts filling with purple smoke and like the boogeyman kind of makes his first real appearance it's creepy. creepy so spoopy the boogeyman was scary like i Mm -hmm. It was very Tim Curry. Tim Tim Curry, and Tim Curry is also in that movie where he's, like, Satan. Yeah, um, Legion. Yes! I got some of that vibe from this, too. Yeah, the the prosthetics and makeup in this movie were really, really good, I think. And even those kind of prank things, they all had that... I think... I feel like this has happened in a few other Disney movies, uh, where there's, like very memorable moments like that are really out of the ordinary with halloween town it was the dentist doing the vampire's teeth like that's a super memorable mm-hmm. moment from that i saw it in commercials everywhere the skeleton the skeleton in the cab and for this one i totally remember that girl diving into the red swimming pool and getting stuck it's got a, a kind of brian fuller vibe of pushing daisies and dead like me where it's like um like whimsical yeah like like a yeah like whimsical morbidness to everything everything's like dark and creepy but also has like a little light-hearted humor to it interesting tone after the school stuff darwin and francis are speaking in her room and he tells her that somebody named larry came up and told him like they were playing basketball i think and he, Larry told Darwin about the boogeyman and how he should be careful. And if he sees him, he should put his head under the blankets. Francis basically tells Darwin, like, it's not real. Just stop. You're fine. Sort of thing. And it seems like he's a little bit, like, kind of hurt by this. But, like, he also mentions at one point that the rest of the kids can't see Larry. So I think it kind of sets Francis off to be a little bit meaner than normal because she's also like, oh, shoot, I can see things that other people can't see. And wants to, like, reaffirm that, like, that's not a thing that should be happening. Yeah, like, selfishly. Even though she says that these things don't exist, they're not real, she sees Larry everywhere. So they're, like, hanging out, and then Larry takes 
Francis to the library. And the guy, the thought is that, like, he's taking her there to look for a very specific Boogeyman lore book. There's always a book. Yeah. And, of course, it's in the public library of Middletown. There's a book about Boogeyman lore, but then it had a bunch of science terms in it. Recipes and concoctions for dealing with Boogeyman. Yeah, this interaction was great because there's a bunch of kids there watching TV at the library. And um, we get to see that all the kids can see Larry. And the librarians are typical, like, shh, shh. And, like, it's, yeah, Francis keeps saying stuff really loud to Larry. And the librarian keeps shushing her. But Larry's just like, hey, guys, we're in a library. Isn't this great? And the librarian can't hear him. And she's like, do not touch the audiovisual equipment. I love this part. It was so cute. And I feel like I have been, you know, when there's like a group of kids and they just start laughing for no reason. Usually that just annoys me and I like walk off. If I'm with a group of children, I'm, I'm in a bad mood anyway. (laughs) Okay. Well, these kids were having a good time watching Larry do all sorts of tricks. That was my favorite. Uh, Larry finds the book they're looking for and wipes off the dust. And then he just starts reading parts of it. There's something where they can use a centrifuge. Or nuclear radiation to kill the boogeyman, I guess. Or, like, age the boogeyman very quickly. And it's like, like, isn't a centrifuge just the thing that, like, spins around cells super fast? I'm not going to pretend to know science, okay? Hold on, I'm googling centrifuge. A centrifuge is a machine with a rapidly rotating container that implies applies centrifugal force to its contents, typically to separate fluids of different densities. Or liquids from solids. So yeah, Larry finds a book and starts yelling about centrifuge and nuclear radiation. And they get back to Francis's house. And Darwin comes in and Larry realizes that Darwin can't see him anymore. And he kind of starts freaking out and starts getting his eyes all glowy. And he finds out that Francis is the one who had told Darwin that he didn't need imaginary friends. And they're not real. And he's super mad at her. But we don't really know why. I mean, aside from the fact that like he's lost his friend i guess you can tell he's kind of like i guess what's the point of an imaginary friend if the person who imagined them can't see them so his existence is you know up in the air his existence is as meaningless as all of ours pretty much yeah it's pretty deep it's a really deep movie this went (laughs) okay honestly though it is kind of like this is one of the movies where they did touch on all those. Josh, I was thinking about you a lot when I was watching this movie because I was like, this one actually has a theme. Like, I know you like lessons. to like, <laughs> I know you like to like jokingly try to apply a theme when there is none, but this one has a lot, and I think there's a lot we could discuss towards the end of the movie. Yes, yeah. I'm curious to to see if you guys think that the terrifying scariness of this movie justifies like what they're trying to say. But as you said, we'll talk about it. So things start to heat up with the boogeyman. His pranks... The, sorry, what? The boo- the boogeyman? The How boogeyman. do you say that? <laughs> the boogeyman? How do you say it, Sammy? The babadoo. It, it's the boogeyman. I always said boogie. <laughs> it's boogie. Boogeyman. <laughs> like, I was joking. Boogie. It's boogie. Okay, I'm very confused now. <laughs> <laughs> boogie. <laughs> It's one of those, like, when people ask if you say, like, 
Well, now I can't think of any examples. Like, do you say it this way or this way? And then you say it one way, and then you're like, wait, did I always say it like that? And you're thinking way <laughs> too hard. It's it caramel or caramel. <laughs> it's definitely Bougay Man, though. I, I, I didn't know that until just now. Is it really? Unless you're messing with me. <laughs> She's messing with us. It's <laughs> Things start um, to heat up with the boogeyman. Yes. Ooh, ooh. The boogey man. God damn it. <laughs> really, There's like, uh, they kind of finally see a glimpse of the boogeyman as he's running out the window or something, right? Yeah. And they chase after him. And there's and just Christmas is... lights everywhere. And yeah. this movie aired amazing. in October. So I'm assuming that it was meant to imply that it took place you know, like when it was airing. So it was October. It was very far from Christmas. And despite what mm. stores would like you to believe, you shouldn't start decorating for Christmas in October. <gasps> you should start in December and then just leave it up um, until it stops working. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. I haven't undecorated for Halloween, so... <laughs> See, you know what I'm talking about. Just leave it up there. It'll be perfect for next year. They go outside and there's no bogey boogie man, bougie man. There's just Christmas <laughs> Bourgeoisie man. Well, no, this is the part where Larry, like, tries to catch the boogeyman, And he, like, touches him or something. And it turns him into, like, a little more creepy, scary guy. Yeah, he kind of gets that started, like, that glowy crawly thing that was in every ad Ooh, not quite yeah. there yet but like progressing toward there's like kind of a standoff between them and he falls off the roof and the boogeyman escape and the parents hear this loud noise as francis is trying to help him she like breaks the window or something and so they all run outside and she's just standing there <laughs> with a ladder and a thousand christmas lights and all the power went out in the entire city except for their house which the next day is in the like local newspaper and it's kind of funny because it's like all the power went out and was out all night and presumably is still off but they still got that newspaper printed way yeah, to be reliable journalist etc it's funny because like as the parents get the newspaper is when the paparazzi are like news station and vans and everybody start like pulling up to their house. It's like they had no idea until the newspaper came out. Uh, so this this part was especially funny because it was another case where it's like, how did they think Francis was accomplishing this and why are the police not involved at this point? Because she's like vandalized stuff. She's filled things with jelly or jello. She's somehow taken the power away from the entire city. Yeah. I mean, I guess at this point, they're like, great, we have a troubled child. But how did they think she got the power out in the whole city? I don't know. But they need someone to blame. Oh, I, lo I love the part when she, she, her dad comes in to try to talk to her. <laughs> and after she, after she actually explains what's going on, he's like, I think you should talk to your mom about this. <laughs> the dad's actually a pretty famous character actor. He's been in a lot yeah. of stuff. What's the garage discussion? I don't remember this part. I think this is where Francis finally gives in and is like, okay, we need to figure out how to actually solve this problem with the boogeyman. I don't really remember this scene either. And then this is where Larry, his hands are like noticeably different. And she knows. She's like, you're turning into the boogeyman, right? His nails are all long and gross too. So finally that... 
now that Francis Lake is on board with getting rid of the boogeyman, Larry starts making this stew, uh, boogie stew or whatever, in order to get rid of him. It does not smell good. Mom is not happy. Yeah, this happens to coincide with the time her counselor is over. I thought Larry was so adorable, though. He was so proud of his little stew. He was like, I added this, and I added this, and then I ran a gym sock through it. And yeah. and he just looked so proud of himself. He was like a three-year-old making stew. Like, look, fun. Mom, look what I've done. Francis learns how boogeymen are created, and it is when imaginary friends... When people stop believing in imaginary friends too soon, oh. they become boogeymen. Really messes with Frances because she convinced Darwin to stop believing in her imaginary friend, or his imaginary friend, sorry. So it, she's the reason Larry's turning into a boogeyman because she ripped that from her little brother. They make the boogie stew. It's all purple. At one point, Larry, like, jumps in. And it's super funny because then Francis, like, opens the sink door to look and see where. Because he's, like, he's dove in and then, like, pulling himself out of the pot. And there's no space for him. It's kind of like a Mary Poppins bag situation. So she, like, opens the kitchen sink to look under it to see if somehow he, like, broke through the counter. And I thought that was a really nice touch. At this time, the little brother goes upstairs. And he, like, walks on some of the boogie stew stuff. Like, he gets some on his shoe. Basically, he accidentally gets turned into bait. For someone else's boogeyman. And the boogeyman comes and gets him. He gets sucked into another dimension, the boogie dimension. Basically, they're like, oh gosh, we have to go save him. And it's funny because as she's, like, actually before that, um, Larry's about to go under the bed and she's like I have to go with you and he's basically like I can't worry about you while I'm trying to save your brother like you're not going to be much help down there like it was that thing where she was kind of relieved when she didn't have to help and donate her bone marrow because that's scary this whole thing that she she, she the reason she didn't want to believe in imaginary friends or anything is because it's easier to believe in science and in facts because those things, like, you can measure. Versus believing that your brother's going to be okay despite all the circumstances. The cancer thing was a pretty deep topic to be breached in a decom. Yeah, and considering it didn't add a ton to the story, it was... I felt kind of out of place. I get... I mean, it, it kind of grounded everything that was happening. Because everything was so whimsical and strange. And you're like, why is this happening? <laughs> That's true. And I guess it gives a little bit more to, like, why her parents were more freaked out by how troubled she was. It was kind of them being like, okay, she just had to deal with getting bounced ahead yeah. a year, and her brother just went through this huge thing. Yeah, that would be a, that would be enough for a parent to be like, oh, I hope we didn't mess up in our parenting, like, and dealing with this whole situation to where she's now lashing out or something. She tries to go under the bed, and this is when her dad walks in, and she's, like, about to go <laughs> under, and, like, dad comes in, she's like... Fine, it's the boogeyman, and that's when he's like, I think you should talk to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of great. But she goes in, and she goes to, like, the boogie world? Is that what they call it? Something like that. And the boogie dimension, the boogie world, like, under the bedland, who knows? So, yeah, they, they kind of maneuver through this crazy world and manage to find her brother tangled up in sheets, which is, like, if you've... Have you ever 
actually been tangled in sheets. It's it's terrifying. It's terrifying. You feel like you're never getting out. It's like a claustrophobic nightmare. No, you're just stuck forever. So he was stuck in those sheets for so long. Yeah. While they're having like a duel of boogeymen out there. And at one point, Larry turned, like, full-on turns Boogeyman, right? Yeah, and it's because, like, it's funny because, like, Darwin's in the situation in which where, like, if he were going to start kind of believing again, now would be the time because he just mm-hmm. got kidnapped. But he swung the other direction, I guess, and, like, Larry finished yeah. turning. Or maybe it was, like, the environment they were in. Yeah, I really want to know, like, what the definition of belief is is here because i feel like if you've got your imaginary friend standing right in front of you it's back i guess he just kind of like softened his like heart to his imaginary friend again because i guess that's what you do when you stop believing in something you're like harden yourself to it and you're like no i'm not gonna think about this it's not real especially if it's something that made you feel crazy or something yeah yeah or silly or stupid or childish started clapping right yeah which is like brings back fairies and all sorts of things careful clapping everyone uh we get a bunch of good one-liners from the boogeyman and the best one i think was i hate to be the one to tell you but it's not too late for me to nail you and then he like maniacally laughs afterwards uh, yeah that was creepy yeah it was dirty but that's the part where the fingers extend right yeah like his pointer finger like grows he makes it like into a nail yeah. yeah. Um. So how do they finally defeat him? Like, so they turn Larry back into a, a good imaginary friend. The boogeyman calls Francis Franny, and this is what it takes for her to realize that the only person or thing that had ever called her that was her own imaginary person, Zoe. So she realizes, like, she connects the dots that she had stopped believing in Zoe because her brother was sick and she needed to be a grown-up for him. Larry and Darwin are sitting there watching this all happen and her kind of have the realization. So she walks up to the boogeyman and tries to hold his hand and they freak out because like, it's, it's a really tense moment where it's like, okay, if this isn't going to work, like, I don't know if the boogeyman will like kill her, what the end game is there, but something bad's going to happen for sure. The bad stuff doesn't happen. And I guess this counts as Francis acknowledging that she's a thing. And so she unages and unboogifies. She's the actual imaginary friend of francis and they kind of get reunited and i guess that kind of heals francis as well they somehow get back to the non-preview world and everything's basically resolved uh her brother can see larry again francis can see zoe and larry they get a the dad and mom walk in and the dad's like something intense centerville like the same exact thing has been happening and you live here so it's not you it's another group of people we guess they say oh I'll be back in Darwin. I'll see Darwin again. We're not, like, you won't be able to see us anymore. So that's the movie. <laughs> that is the movie. What lessons did we learn? I like the line, you know, it takes an awful lot of imagination to be an adult. For me, that was, like, the biggest part of this movie where I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is the point of the movie. This is what they're trying to get across. I like the idea, too, like, that she was so skeptical, and it's easy to just kind of get very binary, like, yes or no, this exists, this doesn't, versus, like, she doesn't necessarily have to believe that the boogeyman exists, but, like, the idea of it, maybe, exercise, like, instead of saying, like, no, it doesn't exist, try to think about why people would believe in something like that. Especially for her brother, who's going through what yeah. he's going through. Like, some people need that, and it's important to kind of respect that and not be a jerk. 
I don't know the this uh, this feeling of help helplessness that she had when her brother got diagnosed with cancer, and she couldn't do anything to help because she didn't have the correct bone marrow type or whatever. And I'm sure she felt really uh, lost and afraid when like her brother was able to do it, and she seemed kind of like aggressive when her friend, who I guess had a crush on her brother, and this was a whole storyline that ne- did not need to be there. Her friend was like, oh, and he was in the hospital and helped out your little brother, and that was just so sweet of him. And she was like, he didn't do anything. He just laid there. And The concept that, like, maybe she she could have been there for him in ways that weren't as, weren't as crucial, but were still as important. Like, yeah. she could have emotionally been there for him. That's exactly what I was trying to go for here. And, yeah, she just, she seemed really, like, overly aggressive about how her brother was helping out and like, Oh, he didn't really do anything. And I think that's just because she was feeling so helpless herself. So before we get into our ratings, I have an IMDb rating. This one comes to us from Ruby and rain 1700 from October of 2007. They say, amazing. This is the best Disney channel movie you will ever see. In fact, this is the only Disney channel movie you should watch. Screw high school musical. This movie has fantastic graphics, acting, it is just wonderful. Seriously, Disney Channel should just air this every Friday or Saturday night because it is an amazing movie. (laughs) If you are ever lucky enough to catch this movie on TV, don not just flip past it and go to something you think is better because there is a 94% chance it isn't. This movie is the perfect Halloween film. It is ever vital ingredient to entertain you for more than the hour and a half it is. Anyway... Watch Don't Look Under the Bed. Say super. So given that excellent 10, 10 star rating, Josh, what would you rate this? Oh, you had to go to me first. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I didn't enjoy watching this. While I was watching this, I, was, I thought I can't give this more than a five because like, I actually didn't care. Like I liked yeah. the deepness of this, but so much of it was just like, silliness and crazy and this guy's being funny and there's a boogeyman on the loose that i didn't really care about anything that was going on like i like the ideas and the themes that we're talking about but as far as like this hour and 45 minute movie i you couldn't make me sit through this again i couldn't disagree more i really loved watching this one i it definitely has its faults there's some plot holes the acting quality is probably one of the worst ones that we've seen aside from you lucky dog there's just it's so different and i like the i like how it just goes on a different path than what we're used to it's so it has a darkness but it it, it's whimsical and lighthearted, and larry's funny and then so i would give it uh seven i'm going to probably i'm gonna probably give it a i guess a five as well like i enjoyed the themes that were explored in it i don't really know what it was about it that made it something i just didn't i think it kind of felt like somebody started it and like pushed it down a hill and just let it go it didn't Mm -hmm. it it feels like it needed kind of reined in a little bit like it needed more of like a point a to point b and even though the like it just it was very disjointed and I think that's what made it, I think that's what kept it from being like an eight or a nine. It had the potential, but just something about it wasn't like tight enough. 
for me, this is one of those movies I didn't see, like, as a kid. So I do think that definitely influenced me in the past. Because this time watching this, you know, I didn't really connect with the characters or anything that was going on. Because it, it wasn't something that I experienced as a kid or was afraid of as a kid. So I do think yeah. that, like, somehow changed how I watched this movie. That's kind of where I've been coming at for each of these. So it's, I like that that's happened to you now. So you can kind of see where I'm coming from when I watch these. It, it made some parts hard to watch. I was like, why am I watching this again? Because I think even if you're not consciously doing it, the nostalgia bit, like it's impossible to watch it with fresh eyes. So even if it's something that you didn't enjoy watching as an adult, like when we went through Halloween Town, I think we all kind of gave it a slightly higher rating because we felt like it deserved it. Like we owed giving it that somehow. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, I'll be able to compare next week's because I've never seen horse sense, but I'm really excited about this one because of the Lawrence brothers. Mostly. I don't remember a ton about the plot. Something about let's have, (laughs) let's have uh, Lori guess. (laughs) Um, Going, so I'm not, I can't quite remember when The Sixth Sense came out, but I'm anticipating this was around the same time. I think that a couple guys have, like, their horse friends, they go ride horses together. One of them has a horse that, like, has been dead the whole time, and they don't know it. And it's like a ghost horse situation, and then it's kind of like a twist ending. Exactly. Half ghost, half horse. Yeah. Josh, do you want to make a guess since you haven't seen it? I'm guessing a rom-com, and... A kid learns responsibility and what it means to love like horses love. So I think that's all we have this week. I hope you guys are thoroughly spooked. And thanks for listening to this episode of We're Potting This Together. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at horse sense. If you have any questions, comments, or memories of your favorite Disney Channel original movies, you can find us on social media or email us at pottingthistogether at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review. Thanks.